You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, faithful scholars, to another session of the Star Seminar, your upper division course in footballology. As always, this is a team talk course, and I am joined by Professor Emeritus, the great Dr. Danny Phantom. I, of course, am yours truly, your humble servant, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Dr. Phantom, how are you this fine afternoon? Uh, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm uh, I'm trying to, to survive this dead zone of, you know, just NFL inactivity where it's just there's not a lot going on and, you know, draft over and, and we have some time before, you know, we get to see some some players in action. So it's, eh, it's kind of a little bit, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a dead zone and, you know, not to be confused with the Christopher Walken, you know, the Stephen King movie, you know, dead zone, um, of course, yes. which by the way, I actually think is a very clever idea for a movie. Uh, the, the story there. And of course, Walken's perfect character for it. Uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's one of, I think it's an entertaining Stephen King film. Uh, speaking of Stephen King films, Rabs, what, is like your favorite Stephen King movie or story? So that's actually two different things. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't read Stephen King in a long time, but I used to read everything he wrote. And so, you know, we're, we're talking about the first half of his oeuvre probably here, right? Okay. Right. So um, I will say my favorite St- Stephen King story is actually a short story. It was in one of his collected um one of his collected short story books. And it was, it was, uh, they actually made it into a movie that, or actually, I think a couple different times it was made in a movie. It was a short story called The Fog mm-hmm. about like this weird myth that just descends on this town, of course, in New England. And there's all these weird creatures that, that can like cut people in half in the mist. And there's a bunch of people who are caught in a, um, in a grocery store and they decide to try to make a break for it. And, yeah, yeah. and it's just, it's just super creepy. It's really, it's really good. The, mov- the movies that were made from it were not great. But I will say that the most amazing collection of stories in terms of the way that they were made into movies is his short story collection called, I think I believe it's called Different Seasons. Hmm. And there's one, there's a, there's a story in there called Apt Pupil that was made into a, a movie with, right. um, I think, I think Ian McKellen might've even been in that. Um, That's correct. Yes. And, um, but uh, of course the story that ended up being, you know, the greatest Stephen King movie of all time is uh i think it's it's a its original title was something like rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption mm-hmm. it was turned into the shawshank redemption and um it's really fascinating because 
there were two characters, one of whom was named Red because he was an Irishman. And then they ended up casting Morgan Freeman. And there's this great line in that, you know, it says like, why do they call you Red? And he looks at, he looks at the, you know, he looks at the uh, Andy Dufresne character and says, because I'm Irish, you know, as, as a joke. Uh, it's never, so it's never really explained. But the, the pairing between Morgan Freeman and um, Tim Robbins, it's just, it's so, it's, so, it's just ex- exquisite the way, the way it's, it, you know, the way it's handled. Uh, it's, it's such a great, piece of storytelling and the ending the whole long monologue that that morgan freeman who's the best monologist in in uh you know currently in america uh he's so great with a monologue and his voice is so sonorous it's just it's just awesome the way he he brings us to that whole long monologue about hope that goes through him finding the money and then taking the bus and going th- across the border and then finally showing up on the beach and there's the, there's the Tim Tim Robbins character like sanding an old just an old beat ass boat on the beach where they're basically just going to drink Coronas and sand a boat it's never going to sail for the rest of their lives it's awesome and um it's just like the way that works is that long pan out. You know, on on the ocean where you see the two of the two men, and you see them hug, but it's but it's, it's at long distance. It's just perfect. It's perfect. Um, and it's it's it, it, it since the moment I saw it, it's been one of my one of my favorite movies. And it, uh, you know, it's one of those handful of movies. There's like four or five movies that no matter what time it is, no matter what day it is, if it's on TV, no matter where in the movie we are, I'm gonna stop and watch the rest of it. Yeah, without question, it is a remote dropper for sure. I think uh, most people would agree with you. It's um. Just very well written, very well acted all the way through. Just very interesting. Definitely. Do no, you have a favorite? You know, I have. I have like favorites. Um, I mean, I, probably if you if you if you had to if I had to rank them, I think it's hard to rank anything ahead of Shawshank. Um, I do enjoy the ones that Rob Reiner directs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I like Stand by Me. I thought that was a good movie. Um, yeah, that was, well, that's from the that's from the same collection, different seasons. I was going to oh, say. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, um, yes, it's incredible. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I actually went to college with uh, the guy that played Lard Ass Davy Hogan in the movie. Uh, <laughs> not that that means anything, but it's uh, but and that was also filmed in uh, in Oregon too. Parts of it mm-hmm. were in Oregon. Uh, I like that one. I also like uh, what is the other? Oh, Misery. I like the Misery. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's um. I thought that was a good story. Very good suspense. Of course, Kathy Bates came. It was like her breakout film, just like, and she was just fantastic just um yeah um so i, I probably would say those two um are the... and frankly let's talk about misery as something that really brought james Kahn back onto our radar he was sort of he was sort of a has-been and then he was yeah. amazing in that movie and so the two of them did such really really great work together i think it, it, it you're right it, it put her on the map and brought him back to our attention mm-hmm. yeah great choices great choices no i uh i think you nailed it you nailed it. And speaking of it, uh, Rabs, what do we got going on for today? Well, speaking of great choices, my friend, we're gonna uh, we're actually gonna talk about the Cowboys minigamp and all of their first round and and, and further on draft choices. Um, and uh, I've got a little game for you where I want you to um, rate some statements that came out during minicamp or about some of our um, some of our young wannabe would be cowboys. Uh, but before okay. we do that, I actually um, want to just ask you a question. Uh, there were 29 players, both first and second year players, who were invited to minicamp and participated in the in the rookie minicamp. So it wasn't just rookies, rookies and, and second year guys. 
And so in honor of the fact that there were 29 of them, I would like to ask you, who is the greatest number 29 in Cowboys history? Hmm. I kind of, hmm. I kind of feel like this is easy. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Only three 29s, you know, pop up in my head, of course, and that is including the present 29 with Mr. C.J. Goodwin. But um, a couple more memorable ones. Um, and I, actually, um, I kind of, if I had to guess what you might pick, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of save that one because I, I know... I know you're going to bring him up. So I'm just going to go with the obvious answer and just say I think it's DeMarco. Um, I think that it's even though his stint in Dallas was his, you know, four-year rookie deal, um, it was pretty impressive. You know, he had uh, his 1,800-yard season, his, his all-pro season and, uh, in 2014. And, mm-hmm. of course, and I, I could be mistaken, if, was DeMarco always, was he 29 through the whole time, I know he started I out. So yeah, I know yeah. he started out as thirty, but I don't know if that was like a training camp number. I think that or... was a training camp number. I think he was twenty nine the whole time he because when he when he debuted as a as a rookie and had that big game against the Rams. Okay, twenty nine. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find somebody another twenty nine that's better. But if there's anyone that could do it, I know it's you, uh, Rabs. Who's no. No, I, I think in terms of like absolute value or those other kind of metrics, he's by far the most the most successful 29. But it's interesting because there's there's several other 29s, but the ones I think that, that deserve honorable mention here were all special teams guys, mm-hmm. but they were really interesting and good special teams guys. So um, I don't know if which one you were predicting that I would pick. So I'll, I'll go down my list. Well, You're right. Just, C- when, just when you thought it was safe to play special teams. There's there's the hint of which one. That's right. I'm That's right. So there's two guys, one of whom, uh, you know, was actually one of my favorite players uh, during the during the uh, the heyday bang bang '90s, and that was Kenny Gant. He played for four years for the Cowboys. Was drafted actually in that Emmett Smith draft in uh, 1990. I think he was like a fourth or fifth round pick, um, and then played till '94 when he left as a free agent. Of course, he was the originator of the Shark. Played a little bit of like. Um, I mean, what, in some ways, looks now not unlike a J. Ron Curse role, where he played like a, a weak side linebacker when they went into passing situations. And um, if you remember in the in the Super Bowl against the Bills in '92 or at the end of the '92 season, they matched Andre Reid up against him and burned him repeatedly in the first half, and they had to switch things up. So he didn't play that role much after that. Uh, he was exposed, but he was he was a great hitter, great guy. You know, uh, you know, pound for pound. You know, just a really tough, fun guy. Another guy who's actually a very similar kind of player is Keith Davis, who played for, I think, under Parcells. You remember, he played in 2002, made the team as a UDFA. Parcells loved him, and then he went out and got shot. And so he was, uh, and Parcells was like, man, he shouldn't have been involved in that stuff. Didn't really, didn't really play in 2003, and then came back in 2004. And ultimately ended up playing, like, you know, starting a game or two at safety, uh, as a good backup safety, uh, special teams ace for years. So interestingly enough, um, the most of the 29s other than Murray have been special teams aces uh, who, um, you know, played for the Cowboys for five years. So actually the shortest tenured of them is Murray. If CJ Goodwin makes the team this year, he'll be the longest tenured 29 in Cowboys history. So they, there's three, all three of those guys all played for five seasons. Oh, wow. And so this, this could be CJ Goodwin's uh, sixth season. If he makes the team in 20, 
three. Wow. So, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, not not the most illustrious uh, of numbers. I think the clear best twenty nine is is Murray, but there's some other some other interesting cats who who've you know done a good job of carving out a a, a long term NFL career. Yeah. So speaking of long term NFL careers, let's see which of uh, this year's crop of fresh faced cher- cherubic wannabes has the best chance of carving out a long-term career. And let's get busy with a feisty game of rate the statement. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what you got going on here. All right, my friend, here we go. So uh, the game we're going to play is called rate the statement. So I want, I'm going to um, give you a little bit of background and then I'll give you a statement and I want you to rate it uh, on a five point scale. So just so uh, everybody who's listening can play along. The five statements from disagree to agree go as follows. If you disagree strenuously, I would like you to start by saying, you, sir, are an idiot. Okay. If you disagree slightly, then you could say, I mean, really? Uh, <laughs> if you neither agree or disagree, then color me indifferent can be, uh, I think, a fair response. Um, if you agree slightly, you could say, yeah, sure, seems plausible. And if you agree strongly, which I'm hoping you do, because I want to hear you say this, you'll say, I'm basking in the lambent glow of a super genius. <laughs> are, you you ready to, are you ready to play Rate the Statement? <sighs> Oh my goodness, Raz! Where do you come up with these? I, I, I swear you just make some of these just so you have, so I have to end up saying them. So, uh, yes, I am ready to. My play. goal in life is to embarrass you, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, you do right. you do that so, so well. So I will say that all of these come from um, the recent Cowboys mini camp and the little news trickle that came out in the wake of Cowboys rookie mini camp. I think it's important um, at this moment to just reiterate that no press was allowed to attend. So we we basically know who attended. We know that there were, um, as we talked about earlier, 29 players in attendance, some of whom were second-year players. And that the most news that came out came from the discussions that the media had with the various coordinators. Mike McCarthy was not there because he had a bad back. So we're really talking about meetings with the three the three coordinators, as well as a couple interviews with a couple players. So that's basically what we have to go on here, uh, which is unusual because in past years, the press has been at least one day uh, at one day of the rookie minicamp. So we're going to do the best we can. Um, we're going to try to extract from the tea leaves uh, some questions here. And and um, and I'd love to hear your opinion about some of um, some of the rookie and and sort of you know second year players uh, that are joining the team and are trying to earn their star. So first question: It's about the bonus babies. So four of the Cowboys UDFA's: uh, Tyrus Wheat, defensive end; uh, uh, Hunter Lupke, who's a probably running back, maybe fullback, but probably more just a big running back; Earl Bostic, offensive lineman; and Darrell Johnson, defensive end were offered at least 150,000 guaranteed and some of them even as much as 220,000 and three of them wheat lupke and bostic received $20,000 signing bonuses so here's a statement i'd like you to rate this seems like a pretty good investment in some udfa so what what i want you to to, to weigh on on is this statement at least two of the four will be on the 53 man roster once the dust settles 
before the week one tilt versus the hated New York Giants. How do you rate that statement, my friend? At least two of the four will be on the 53. I mean, really, Rab? Oh, really? I think <laughs> here's 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 the thing I have. You know, I'm a numbers guy. So um, I am perfectly okay with um, a good chunk. Well, I, I say good chunk, maybe a handful of uh, undrafted free agents. Uh, who will make the roster that, you know, maybe we're may seem like afterthoughts, you know, especially when you think about how deep this roster is, there's always those guys, but you have identified four specifically and asked me to think, to Mm -hmm. rationalize half of those guys uh, making the roster. So I think that falls in the highly unlikely category. Um, I do. I mean, honestly, there's a, as it is every year. There's a lot of guys that's like, oh, you you, know, you start to just it, and you have you know you're infatuated with you know you think that they could be one of those players you know and the, this year's class is no different. I mean, I can go through it and I can put a little check mark by several you know players that I'm thinking that wouldn't surprise me at all if they made the roster. Uh, and you definitely mentioned you know some of them uh, here. Um, as a numbers guy, I'm just thinking, no, that's unreasonable. And um, it's, I wouldn't say it's borderline idiot, but, uh, you know, I'm going to give you the number two rating on there. So uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, I'm not sure what to think about it. That's one of the reasons why I crafted the statement that way, because I really wanted to hear what you had to say. But I will say that it, I think it's really interesting this year, because you mentioned a couple of things. One, one is that the uh, roster is really deep. So this seems like it's the kind of team – where making it as a UDFA is going to be as hard, if not harder than it's ever been, or been in a long time. This is as deep as the oh. roster has been since maybe some of the Parcells teams. So those teams were pretty, got pretty deep toward the end. Um, that's A. But then B, the thing that's fascinating is I may be wrong, but I think this is the strongest group of, of undrafted free agents they've had in, at least a decade, if not 20 years. I mean, it, it's been a long time since they had this many really interesting guys who actually have like an, an NFL trait or two that can get them on a roster. You know, it's not just guys who are like, okay, yeah, this is a guy who's going to, you know, here's a guy who's going to work hard during camp. We know he's not going to make it. I mean, there's literally, there's legitimately guys all up and down this UDFA um, list who could conceivably make the roster. And I'm honestly wondering what the heck are they thinking? Because they meaning that the players and their agents, because this is going to be a hard team to make. And I feel like it's going to be really competitive. So I, I think that, I think your take is, is a wise one, which is yes, there's going to be some UDFAs that make this team because, because they always do, but also because this group is really good. Yeah. I, someone, I, someone, someone's going to prove their worth, but to say that it's going to be two of these four guys, I, that, 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 as you said, from a numbers perspective, is unlikely, although it's clear the Cowboys thought that they needed to bid higher for these particular players. So I think that they see that they're that they might have a little more worth, or certainly the league does, right? Other teams were trying to were trying to poach them and the Cowboys wanted to make sure they were in camp. Right. I totally agree with you, everything you said there. And but I I I want to throw this right back at you is you know, when you say you think it's one of the more talented you know, undrafted free agent classes, which, like I said, you know, looks good. But 
I want to ask you this. Do you think you might be, that could be just a matter of perception in the sense of, if you look about the caliber of the players the Cowboys drafted, you could make a strong case that they overdrafted in terms of where we, you know, a lot of people had those guys. Now, if you look at all the players that they collected in this, this uh, UDF class, uh, I, I, I think that it looks like they just got a bunch of steals, you know, and like, so maybe mm-hmm. perception mm-hmm. might come into play there. Um, but I, I will also, finally, I will say this, um, of the players you mentioned, I, I think three of them are pretty highly ranked or solid ranked in NFL roster worthy type players. Darrell Johnson to me is the one anomaly. Like, well, I mean, mm-hmm. we knew he, he was interested, you know, he was a visit in the Cowboys. Cowboys liked him. And so both of us, you know, we were looking at this guy, you know, b- before the draft. Um, but he's kind of the one player that's a little bit like, well, I wouldn't expect him to, to get the, you know, be, have as much interest, but he does. So I don't know. Is it, uh, could it be a little bit perception there that, that why we have this so high? I mean, for me, it's really about where those guys were ranked in the, the, the draft guides of the, of the draft picks who I uh, have the most trust and faith in. You know, so mm-hmm. let, let's say we can use Dane Brugler. I mean, you know, these guys were all in a cluster around like player number 240, somewhere around that in that range. There's a bunch of those guys were, were still, were, you know, were, were ranked as draftable players by Brugler. And it feels like, you know, every year there's a couple guys like that, but there's also a couple guys who aren't even on his list. And this year, I mean, it seems like every guy was 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 pretty highly rated. So I think they did some pretty nice work, you know, in that, in that at the end of day three in terms of calling and uh, convincing, you know, UDFA types to, to come to the star and, and give it a shot. Yeah. But listen, let, let's, let's speaking of um, guys, they were convincing. One of them, of course, is the offensive lineman, Earl Bostic. Um, Cowboys minicamp featured four first or second year offensive linemen. So we have Alec Lindstrom, right, who was, uh, was a UDFA last year. Mm-hmm. TJ Bass, uh, the aforementioned Bostic, and also fifth rounder, Awesome Richards. So four, four of those guys in, in camp, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of spotlight on, uh, on them because, of course, everybody's freaked out about the left guard position and everyone's sort of hoping against hope that some one of those guys can step forth and, and – um, you know, at least make it competitive, if not, if not take the position. Here's a statement I'd like you to respond to. Of the four, TJ Bass will have the best NFL career. Um, sure. Seems plausible. Um, sure. That sounds fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. Uh, Again, so here's the thing with this. I mean, if I'm being completely unbiased, I would probably be. I mean, we would you, you would hear another. I mean, really, because I mean, you know, the numbers say no, but you just happen to pick the one guy that you know. And I think we talked about this on an earlier show. Is I like this guy. I I think that when you look at the traits and the need, I think that the chances, you know, just it, there's just a. There's a opportunity, more of an opportunity here for for TJ Bass, so I, that's why I am more towards the plausible um, group here. But I mean, it's really tough. You know, you listed you know four players that it's. I mean, it, this is a really who knows. You know, from from the undrafted um, Bostic to to the the Cowboys draft investment in 
and Richards too. And of course, we don't hear much from Lindstrom because I think he was like IR'd late in the mm-hmm. season too. Um, but and but even him, we were we were. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but I, I know a lot of us were pretty excited about that uh, priority free agent signing last year. Thought that was a great a great uh, signing there too. Uh, so. You know, it's a good group, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's any one of them. But um, you, pick, you just happen to pick the one guy that I'm, you know, have my eye on. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm not going to say much more on that. because I, I will say one thing, which is that he reminds me a little bit uh, of a guy who's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line, who's not a great athlete, and he's easily the least handsome guy in the NFL. Ryan Jensen, who's just basically a brawler. You know, he's, he's, he's a, just a tough dude. Uh, and I think, I think the Cowboys offensive line could really use a little bit of that attitude. And I think TJ Bass might be that kind of guy. And I, I would love to see him succeed. I, I don't know if he'll succeed in year one, but I think there's something about him that um, might make him a really interesting sort of like Ryan Jensen style offensive guard. Yeah. Um, but let's move, let's move to the guys who uh are the prettier, more athletic, less athletic type. Um, so uh, although they didn't draft a wide receiver until their last pick, the Cowboys did, and this goes along with what you were saying earlier, they did enlist a stellar class of UDFA wideouts. So there's six receivers in total who attended last weekend's minicamp. We got Jose Barbone, who's a local kid from Temple, where I am. Um, David Durden, seventh rounder Jalen Brooks. Uh, Dontario Drummond, who as far as I know is no relation to KD Drummond. Uh, last year's opening day starter, Dennis Houston, and of course, Jalen Smith Moreno. There's a, it's a really interesting group. There's a lot of intriguing prospects in that list and a lot to unpack between now and the end of training camp. I think we'll probably have a lot of discussions about these guys, especially because it feels like after about position number three, the white, the Cowboys wide receiver room, there's a lot of question marks. And I think there's also a lot of question marks because we're not really quite sure what Mike McCarthy's offense is going to need how many receivers it's going to need are, are there new receiver profiles it can accommodate so I think there's a, just a lot of really interesting questions here's my statement only one of those players will make the 53 and his name is Jalen Moreno Cropper oh man Rabs I tell you uh huh. first off I will say you're doing a really good job with these I mean um I mean I'm, you know, I'm going to be basking before too long the way this is going. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> but I'm a numbers guy, 
And although you did pick the one guy um, that if I were to to put my uh, you know chips on, you you picked him. Um, so definitely, mm-hmm. I I um I lean that direction. But it's just there's the I'd say no. I'd say that I'd say that you, you sir are an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot you know? oh boom <laughs> i just i mean the reason that we, we have to um i have to choose the idiot one here is because every year i feel like an idiot because i always get excited about some undrafted wide receiver that just i mean without fail you know you can just come in there and there's somebody that that you just whether it's traits related or just how they uh do in camp even like you think that that would be something meaningful and then it just does not turn out that way at all i mean so i mean i could just there's a long list of players that examples Mm -hmm. of just that and i feel like i just get suckered in to that every year so almost you know very you know full-heartedly so that's that's why i'm going to emphatically disagree with you but great choice on the the player you pick, you pick for sure. So it sounds like the idiot move was to say uh, that there's going to be a wide, like to, to sort of have the audacity to identify the wide receiver who's going to make the roster. Not that one would make it, or even that if one did make it, it would be him. But it feels like what you're saying is predicting which UDFA wide receiver will make the roster is an act of idiocy itself. Oh, without question. Yes. That part for sure. But also to even the fact that we they even if we said one, if you were to just go one of them, I would probably mm-hmm. still I probably I probably at that point would say I mean really, because we just don't have don't don't get me wrong I like like if you look at David Durden I start to mm-hmm. you look at the traits that he has I'm starting to think okay he's, there's some Amadala you know sort of thing there he can he can return you know he he's lacking in size and stuff and I think NFL size and speed will 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 hurt him for sure but um you know he could he have that x factor type of thing and so he i could totally see him being one of those type of players and we all got a, a behind the scenes look of how that uh year went when amadala um you know joined the cowboys too uh so i mean there's there's a lot of players you know um the temple guy is fast you know mm-hmm. and you know if you want to try to add some speed to this team you, i mean so the, and the cowboys got a lot of variety in their um, receivers if you look at some guys are huge some guys are fast some guy i mean they got just all kinds of stuff going on there uh but even if you were to just you know the entire field of undrafted free agents i would still say probably not likely because that's just the world we live in yeah totally fair totally fair um so let's let's shift gears now from players to coaches uh as i said earlier there was no press allowed to attend the mini camp and head coach Mike McCarthy was not in attendance due to a back issue. So the most quotable moments came from interviews with the coordinators, um, specifically Brian Schottenheimer and Dan Quinn. So I, I want to run a couple of things that they said by you and get uh, your take on those statements. So the first is Schottenheimer. He actually sort of, um, he offered to the gathered press an assessment of the way he wanted his offense to look. Right. And so I want to actually give you three separate statements. I want to break that into three statements. I want you to respond on our on our scale to each of those statements. Like how much is this something that they're really going to do? That's going to be a change or how much this is like coach speak lip service. The first. We want to be physical. 
I mean, oh, jeez, I, I would have to say, I mean, really, that's that's what I say. I mean, that, that's a little bit of coach speak to me. Oh, really? Right, like what? Like what? Offensive coordinator says we want to be not fit. What's the opposite of physical? We want to be mamby pamby. Yeah, right. <laughs> We, we we want to be we want to be dominated on the line of scrimmage. That's our offensive philosophy. We're hoping that by the end of games, our guys are all in the medical tent. Uh, we want to be mamby pamby. Yeah, no, I have yeah. not heard a coach yeah, say, yeah. of all the presses. We're gonna do the rope a dope. We're gonna be mamby pamby <laughs> till the very end, uh, and then we're gonna throw a long touchdown. I, I mean, I, yeah. So I think we want to be physical. I would agree that that tends to be one of those sort of coach speak things. Yeah, yeah, sure, you want to be physical. We all want to be physical. Um, but the, I think the, the other two may be a little bit more interesting, and especially given the way that things broke down last year. So let's let, let's let's take a little bit more time with the other two. The next statement: We want to play fast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that seems plausible. Um, sure, that sounds fine. I mean, I think you could, there's some proof in that pudding. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you look at, well, you look at the Brandon Cooks uh, trade, you know, the Cowboys definitely, they're looking to add speed and separation to their wide receiver group. And you also look at um, the the running back that neither of us too care too much about with uh, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, that guy, they're hoping for some some speed there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it definitely, it's, it sure seems like that's the intent. You know, they did also um, tag... Tony Pollard too, and he's the most um, explosive player on this this offense. So I mean, all, all that all that tracks, Rab. So um, I'm gonna give him that one a four. I think that, I, th- I think I would too, and I would also say that play fast might mean both have more team speed, but it might also um, pertain to tempo. And I think that you know, as fans who are very invested in rewatch games, et cetera, I think we we've all over the years that Dak Prescott's been the quarterback seen how effective he can be when they when they um you know when they sort of ratchet up the tempo he's a really good quarterback at tempo and sometimes even more effective at tempo than he is when they're playing a little bit slower and so um i think of the, i mean i think there's probably been times when you know when we're like why don't they just play fast break all the time because he's so good when they're playing fast break so uh i i think in some ways that we want to play fast has me both where you are, but also has me like, yeah, color me indifferent. <laughs> because in some ways, it's sort of they've already been doing, right? So it's like, what we want to do is the same thing we did before. Mm-hmm. And so um, if that, but if that's true, then I'm okay with it because it does feel like this offense in the past um, has been very good when they've actually accelerated the pace a little bit. And I think in some ways, just like, I think the quarterback, there's like a layer of thinking or decision-making that is removed when you're at tempo that allows him to just play more pure. Hmm. That's interesting. That last comment, really. It's it's funny because you know, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm just trying to backtrack through the Cowboys' offensive philosophies from, you know, in recent years. And you, you, it's starting with when they released Des Bryant and they decided, you know, that we really need, a, we need route runners if we're going to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Prescott is really good at this thing here. Let's get him guys that are going to be where they're supposed to be. And you saw them do that with uh, like Alan Hearns and Deontay Thompson. Of course, those guys were not working. And then they had to make make the trade for Amari. But then you look, mm-hmm. for, even when we transition away from Amari, it's like, hey, you know what? Let's not try to w- focus on one guy. 
let's make let's have a bunch of guys you know and then they try to just have more more receivers involved and stuff i mean i feel like they're always trying to fine tune to your quarterback and that's like not a i mean every team is should be doing that every year should be doing that yeah yes. yeah so i mean it's and but then this is the next one it's like you know let's try to spread things out and um you know you know and make things easier and to where there's less thinking involved and i i think that they are doing that it it feels like that's mm-hmm. what's ha- happening i want i will say this though when i what i remember from Schottenheiner's comments too and i'm really glad he said it is is he basically said and um you know this is a good offense they have been a good offense and you know we're not like coming here and just reinventing the wheel they they they're going to they're going to they know the things they do well and they're going to do those things so uh, i think he you know, he gave props to you know the the coach before him and uh, i i feel like it's this is he's got a lot to work with if you talk about new ocs coming in you know a lot of them are mm-hmm. coming here to just real be real difference makers and just change you know fix problems that's not the case here he's he's inherits a good situation and it's more like just a little tweak here and there to get this um, offense where it needs to go I agree. You said a minute ago about spreading wide receivers out, and that leads me to the next statement that he made, which was, we want to make defenses cover the whole field. So both horizontally and vertically. Yeah. That I'm one, assuming that's what he means. That one, I, will, I must say, I am basking in the lament glow of a super genius. Genius! Because that is, I mean, we've been wanting the Cowboys to do that. We've been just begging the Cowboys to do that. That That is what they need to do. Um, and I feel like they're they've set the table for it, but at the same time, it's still something that we need to see. But absolutely, mm-hmm. you really want you don't ever you don't want to just play one style. You don't want to be just you know this type of team. You want to be a team that can just and that's one of the things I appreciated from Kellen Moore is that can beat you in a bunch of different ways. And um, I think with the players they've added, even with the the tight end that's very Dalton Schultzy. Um, you know, I, I think you you still see a team that can attack you in, in a bunch of different ways, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm buying that one 100. percent Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm a cornerback and I'm lining up against the Cowboys, and I know that I only have to cover eight yards, then that makes my job a lot easier. If I have to if I have to cover 40 yards, then and, and anywhere between eight and 40, that makes my job really hard. And so obviously, we want them to have that that doubt right before the snap, mm-hmm. and so. Um, you know, I think, I think getting the ball deeper, um, you know, with all the things that involved getting your receiver separation, getting your receivers faster, getting, um, your, uh, offensive line to pass block just a little bit longer. I think all those things are, are important part of that. But I think that, um, when, when you have, when you have the ability to, to threaten the whole field, then short things become easy things that gain a lot of yards. When, when, when you don't have the ability to threaten deep, then those little things where, you know, you, you hope to dump something off to a guy who's got some quickness and uh, and let him make a move and, and gain some yards doesn't happen because everybody's packed in. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you really want to you make sure that the safeties are playing deep because it gives you a lot more space to, to operate. Um, on the other hand, uh, Dan Quinn and his team are going to try to make sure that other teams don't have space to operate. So um, during his little mini presser, the Cowboys defensive coordinator noted that the team – now, this is really interesting. That In the draft process, he said the team had been looking for players that were capable of playing a dual role. And one of the things he mentioned, uh, he mentioned a couple of different, uh, different 
things, but the, the player he called out specifically was Der- Deron Bland, where he talked about uh, Bland's ability to play outside as well as in the slot. And I think it, the other thing I found fascinating about that was he noted that the training for that happened behind the scenes. So then suddenly Bland came out and was playing in a different place and we all freaked out, but they knew he could do it because they'd already seen it in practice, right? So he suggested the Cowboys third round, third round draft pick, DeMar, DeMarvian Overshone, was just such a player because actually, I think, you know, probably Clarence Hill, the, you know, the UT alum, asked about him. Uh, and he hinted that he would train behind the scenes at both linebacker and defensive back, which I thought was interesting because I think people have also been thinking about him as a linebacker, potential edge right, player. Right. And, right. And so, again, this is just a hint. We're just we're just like squeezing whatever juice is left out of the tea leaves to try to make a little bit of a beverage here. But based on that, I'm, I'm going to offer you a statement. Overshone will replace J. Ron Curse in that sort of linebacker safety role and provide an upgrade in athleticism. Not this year, next year. Overshone will replace J. Ron Curse and provide an upgrade in athleticism. Oh my goodness, Rabs. It's, you know, I'm going to, uh, I am going to give this one a sure seems plausible rating um sure that sounds fine and i'll tell you i'll tell you why um is i mean my my personal assessment overshown is not as high as, as the cowboys but obviously the cowboys are much smarter and they know what they're doing and i if you look at the traits that he has i mean we've talked about this before it's almost like a J. Ron curse you know plus type of player you know he mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it a little bit and they had success in that. And remember, Curse is an undrafted free agent, so that they've developed into this player that he is now. Even his stints with Detroit, and I can't remember where else but he was. I think Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. I mean, he he was a solid at best. He was not this type of player. So if you now take a player like Overshone, who's very athletic, you know, he's athletic. You know, he's got the, he has the traits to, to his ceiling is much higher. Um, there's something there. So uh, the fact that you're giving me a two-year window on this, um, I I think this is a reasonable thing. Um, you know, I, I I like the the traits that he has. I think the processing is the one thing that I have um, some questions about. But I'll you know I'll be fair. I had some questions about Micah Parsons' processing ability. You know, <laughs> and, and you know what I think that the I, I think this is a very likely thing, uh, and I'm excited. And I hope that uh, the Cowboys definitely got got this right because that's going to be a nice added to this defense if he is like a curse plus type player. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I think um, you know when when they drafted him, I was I was like, really? I mean, even when he showed up on the like the thirty list and those kind of like pre draft visit lists, I was like, huh, interesting. Okay, and I've been trying to think about you know, what, what the heck are they, do they see in the player? And then when I saw that he has a background of playing defensive back, playing safety, playing linebacker, it started to make sense to me. And so then I, but then I got confused again when I was hearing more about him being a potential like Michael Parsons type of player where he's a, you know, a linebacker slash edge rusher. It just makes more sense to me with his background that he would be like a big safety, you know, which is, I mean, which is really just essentially a weak side linebacker who can cover. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a, a slightly bigger, less obviously less athletic Darren Woodson type. And so, um, 
you know, again, we may just be glomming on to one little tidbit that Quinn shared. But when Quinn said that, I was like, oh, okay, okay, that makes more sense because that really does seem to match up with Overshone's history, which was as someone who was a safety and then a linebacker, you know. So, and you think about one of the things that Curse brings to the table is his ability to blitz from the edge. He's really good at it. And so Overshone is not going to be a pass rusher per se, but he's shown some explosiveness as a blitzer, both around the edge, but he can also like, you know, he can also, you know, participate in some line games and blitz up the middle. So I think that, I think that, um, you know, give him a couple of years to do that, to adjust to the NFL game. He's a very explosive guy. Uh, and I think he could be a, a really interesting, a sort of athletic upgrade over, over curse, yeah. who, you know, is, who is gone, who's gone at, at the end of his right, career. Right. No, so, ab- certain, right. No, absolutely. You know, I think, I think he's a finisher, but I mean, curse is a finisher and, I think you got that in Overshone as well. They are finishers. Um, but speaking of finished, um, that is all we have for today's show. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, things that you're seeing in camp, or, hey, what is your favorite Stephen King movie? Um, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And Rabs is at Rabble Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have The World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Class dismissed.